when Christians get together and they all agree on something, that is a sign of the Holy Spirit's power uh, working in that situation. Not every division of the church ends in negatives. Sometimes divisions of the church end in positives. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bible Classroom, where we are going through the book of Acts. Uh, This is a session I did teaching uh, through chapter 15 of the book of Acts, and this is episode 4 in that uh, Acts chapter 15 session. Um, This week I am going to be talking about um, sort of the ending of that chapter. I'm going to be focusing on uh, James's uh, response to the entire assembly, uh, specifically in this in, this encounter, and I'm going to be talking about how uh, James uses an Old Testament passage that, uh, if you actually flip back to, looks a little bit different than how James quotes it, and I explain some of the reasons for why that's the case, and get into some of the fun stuff about the Septuagint and the Masoretic text, and uh, yeah, it's fun for uh, anyone that wants to uh, sort of brush up on their uh, biblical understanding of uh, just what texts we pull from. Uh, one note here is I tend to use the word translations when referring to the Hebrew text, which is not accurate, so disregard that. But yeah, thanks guys for tuning in. So. Peter gives this very agitated thing. And you'll notice after he gives this very agitated thing, the whole assembly became what? Silent. (laughs) As they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders. So there's a bit too of Barnabas and Paul are just also wowing them with the factor that so many miracles are being done. That's a point I should bring up too before we get into this. More miracles being done in an area is not a sign of the power of the apostle or the missionary. That's a sign of the willingness to believe in the people group. Keep that in mind. That's, that's the point that's being made here. So I'll just let you marinate on that one for a little bit. Um, Anyway, that was a side note. Uh, The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as was written. All right. So this is James. James finally speaks. Um, and James is kind of the one that has the final say on this whole assembly, at least the way Luke is pitching it. And uh, so he reiterates and says, Simon has described to us how God first intervened um, to, to choose a people for his name for the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. So Peter's point, Peter's point in a nutshell is that, look, the Holy Spirit came on the Gentiles. What do you think? <laughs> you know, like that's, that's his basic point. It's like the Holy Spirit has invaded them. Like, how can we not say that they are Christians? And that's been his big point. Also that God has purified them through everything that Nick was talking about last week. So, and I'm, I'm just using that as shorthand because it takes a long time to explain. So <laughs> anyway, um, so that's Peter's point. Now, James's point is more scriptural based. So this is a really important point too. Two Christians have entirely different reasons for why this should be the case. And this is great. This shows how Christian diversity can really help. One Christian, Peter, is saying the Holy Spirit has verified this is true, right? The other Christian is saying this is verified as true because it's been said in the Old Testament. And that's something that I think today is really important because these two 
ways of verifying truth usually get pitted against each other, right? Like usually it's the people that like say the Holy Spirit has verified this is true that at least in my communities growing up, we were distrustful of and very looked down upon. And uh, we upheld the James interpretations of, oh, you can see this in the Old Testament. You can see this in the Bible, right? You have to have both. And that's the point that Luke is making here is that you need both. You need the prophecy, verification of the Holy Spirit, some Holy Spirit word of truth, and you also need the verification from Scripture. So we get both here, which is really awesome. And the passage that James pulls from for this verification is in Amos chapter 9. Now, what's really funny about Amos, if you've ever read the book in its entirety, you will know that Amos has not a single passage of it that is good news until this chapter (laughs) every every chapter of amos is literally telling people how awful they are and how they're going to get it and chapter nine is the only uh chapter that gives any type of positive anything (laughs) and it uh um only gives it for a couple verses (laughs) it doesn't even give a whole chapter to it it's just a couple verses and those verses are what um uh, James calls from. So um, Zach has uh, actually mentioned this before, and I've mentioned it before on our podcast, but um, whenever an Old Testament prophetic book has a, the phrase in that day, it's signifying a new section, one, and it's also signifying the day of the Lord. Um, the day of the Lord can mean a lot of things. It can mean both judgment, but also restoration. Um, it's kind of this mixture of the two. Um, to put this in perspective, Jesus's death on the cross was the ultimate day of the Lord in many ways. Uh, and that involved both awful things, crucifixion, awful, terrible punishments, but also forgiveness, mercy, and restoration. So that's one of those ultimate days of the Lord is just as an example of what the day of the Lord looks like. So this is kind of a reminder, at least in the book of Amos, that like, yes, you've had, uh, what, um, I can't count eight chapters full of judgment in this day of the Lord that it's talking about. But then at the very end, it says in that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name declares the Lord who will do these things. Now, uh, I'd be curious, uh, can all of you who have Bibles handy, uh, what translations do you normally use there? Because I'd be curious what, that verse 12 says in the translation that you typically use be curious if anyone in amos 9 verse 12 yes okay so they go with possess the remnant of edom uh anyone else have a different translation You didn't go to Bible drill? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm in the NIV. Yeah. I've got the modern English version Uh-huh. And it says that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the nations called by my name, says the Lord who will do this. Okay, cool. So that also goes with remnant of Eden. Um, anyone else have a different? 
Okay, so it goes with possess and eat him as well. Okay, cool. Um, so if you'll notice in Acts 15, uh, when James quotes this, uh, and that very same line, what does it say in verse 17? That the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name. I'm curious if all of your translations also have that. Um, typically they will because, uh, again, this is Greek. Um, what we have here is a difference between the uh, Jewish manuscripts and the Greek manuscript. Um, in the Old Testament in particular, we have two translations of it. Um, in uh, Amos's Greek translation, that is what James is quoting from. And in Amos's Greek translation, it doesn't say, uh, where is it? Da, 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 Amos 9, da, da, da. here we go. In um, verse 12 here, it doesn't say, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom. Uh, in the Greek translation, it says, the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. Okay? So we have a difference here between that line. The reason for this difference is Edom in Hebrew and Adam, which means human, uh, are literally one vowel difference. And the word possess here and the word seek are literally a dash of a dalet, which is this line and downstroke of a difference. So probably something happened in the transcriptions here between the Greek and the Hebrew um, differences, and we're still not sure which, which is correct. Um, the, uh, all of your Bible translations have made a call that the Hebrew translation is more accurate than the Greek here in the Old Testament. And, uh, have kept the uh, Septuagint quote the same um, because that's what's written in Acts. This doesn't have to be a problem for you. This happens a lot in scripture actually, um, where uh, because we have multiple different translations of the Old Testament in particular, we have an entire Bible in Greek and we have an entire Bible in Hebrew. Sometimes the meaning of the Greek and the meaning of the Hebrew of the Old Testament just don't align and you kind of have to pick one. That's just how we, have to do it. Um, but it can become an issue for some people just because it does appear like uh, James is making a big deal about the fact that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name. And this is why I bring it up. Whereas in the Amos one, the meaning seems to be more indicating that um, with the word possess here, it's more military. Sorry, you don't need to see Hebrew there. <laughs> so that they may uh, possess the remnant of Edom seems to be indicating more of a military conquest and conquering Edom because they had a history with Edom and all of the nations that bear my name. So in Amos, the rendering you could take from a Jewish perspective, at least you could take this passage here saying uh, one day in that day, David's shelter will be restored and eventually God will give us power and we'll be able to conquer Edom, which was always a thorn in our side. And then all of the other nations will get to conquer. You could read that this way, um, especially if you're going just with the Hebrew um, version of the Old Testament. Um, but uh, because uh, Acts goes with um, the Septuagint here, um, 
James is reading it more as the rest of mankind are going to seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord. So big difference in interpretation here. One is saying maybe the Jews will conquer all the Gentiles. And then one is saying, no, the Gentiles are going to finally come back to Jesus, right? Um, William was bringing up that this is actually a thread throughout the entire Old Testament, though, so it's not just attached to this one verse here. There's a lot of verses in the Old Testament that talk about the Gentiles being uh, brought back into the faith. So uh, for me, it's not really that big of an issue, honestly. Um, I feel like we go with James here. Like, I feel like he is... He's far more likely to know Jewish uh, language and know what's right than I am. <laughs> At least that's that's my way of thinking about it. So, um, but this is something to point out. Just um, one to be considerate of. If any of you have uh, people that uh, believe only in the Jewish faith and don't believe in the Christian faith, they might read it that way, and that's not because they're wild and kooky and awful people. It like they have a general like reasons for why they believe that. And some of that is something that I want to make you guys aware of so that you're not just uh, condemning them too quickly. Does that make sense?